With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Old Lady Speaks here on Black and White and Red All Over. Uh, This is your host Danny coming to you on the week before uh, group training starts up in uh, in Serie A. So I've got my three uh, compatriots here, our Jersey boy Sam Lepresti. Hello Sam. Oh don't call me that. I'm a New Yorker. I just live here. (laughs) We've got a Everybody's favorite, Mike Man Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Good evening, Lutz. How are you? And uh, our man down in Mexico, Sergio. How you doing? Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Seeing as this is our second episode, I, I thought we might look back at a couple of uh, Juventus players to wear the number two. As you guys remember, the great uh, run of Lucio after his free uh, transfer <laughs> a few years back. Uh, we've got uh, the great Marco Mota experiment. Oh, that was a bad, bad man. <laughs> and the uh, Romulo experiment. So, yeah, some interesting names to wear. Uh, did Isla wear number two his last year? Technically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so ever, ever since uh, the first round of, uh, of, of Caceres, uh not exactly uh, the number two jersey's brightest hour. Seeing as I mentioned before that training is starting up again in Italy, that's where we'll start. News came out earlier today. We're recording on uh, Monday the 11th. And uh, as my cat decides to chime in, um, we got 
pretty much a timetable laid out that group training uh, can start up on May 18th, which would be a week from today. And then, you know, pretty much the next six or seven days is individualized training as we've seen some players who have spent the lockdown in Italy um, coming through the last few days, obviously the big one being Paulo Dybala since he's gotten the, the clean bill of health. So uh, I guess we'll just start with Chuck's, the uh, starting of group training, how you feeling about it? And uh, what do you think this uh, timetable by the Italian government kind of means for uh, some games actually starting up in the next few weeks? Yeah, I'm feeling a bit cautious, cautiously optimistic, I guess, about it. Granted, before I answer anything, I mean, obviously I have to disclaim that, you know, I am no health expert. I'm no epidemiologist. Um, I am no doctor, so, you know, I'm not going to act as if I am. I'm not going to, uh, you know, put any big claims out there that I just, you know, I'm not, um, not confident about. So disclaimer there before I answer. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'm consciously optimistic. Um, you know, we hear news, for instance, from Germany that they're uh, going to start up, I think, in just a few days from now. Uh, the Premier League, I think June 1st, I just read today as well. Um, I mean, the reason, the reason I'm cautious is because, um, if I recall correctly, a few days ago there were some, either it was Fiorentina or some Dolia players that were found to uh, have tested positive uh, for COVID-19 um, just, uh, yeah, just recently. So I, mean, I just don't really know the risk involved here. Uh, obviously, there are some industries within Italy that are starting up, uh, that are opening up slowly but surely. But I'm, I'm more on the side of caution rather than optimism. I think, sure, it's good that training is starting up, but I, I cannot say confidently if it's, if it's safe enough to start training on a, on a scale, on mass scale, training regularly again in teams, doing, being able to do the intensity of training that you know, would be possible in, possible in regular circumstances. So I'm still cautious. I'm still a little scared, frankly. Um, and especially just because it's uncertain whether, for instance, people that have had COVID, whether they can, uh, once they've you know, recovered from it, if they can get it again. And I'm hearing conflicting re reports about that, about the whole anti antibodies um, issue, uh, issues. And, you know, that's just unclear again as well. So it's, it's not... It's not clear that, okay, if you've had it and you've recovered, that you're safe. It's, that's just not clear yet. And that, that's the reason why I'm still just not very, you know, I'm still very cautious about it. And especially because, you know, you had, um, you had Dybala who, what was it, six times? I mean, he, he had it and then he, you know, recovered and then he had it and recovered and he just struggled a lot. So long-winded answer to say, um, I'm scared. <laughs> Yeah, I think cautiously optimistic sounds right to me. Um, again, really no way for me to to categorically say whether or not, you know, this is the correct date or it's not. You have to imagine they made their, you know, especially in Italy where, where you know, they got hit as hard as they did with COVID. You know, you, you would assume that they're making the correct calculations and this, this date actually you know, mean something that they actually thought this was the correct date to do it. I think that the biggest deal, the most important thing would be just, you know, the not only new cases, but like Chuck said, if there's an, uh, someone getting it again, you know, like a relapse, I think that would just, 
throw absolutely everything, you know, out of whack, out of saying, I think if, if there were a relapse, I think it would be very hard to, to argue that they should go through with this. So the first couple of weeks, probably pretty, yeah, they're the most important ones to see what happens. I think they had to do, I mean, if they wanted to continue the season, they had to do it eventually. So, you know, they might as well do it now, I guess, if, if they decided this is the correct day to do it. But yeah, just wait and see. And hopefully, you know, everything will, will turn out great, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I, it's, to me, it, it's hard to be optimistic. It's hard to know whether you, I can be optimistic or pessimistic for a couple of reasons. One, you know, uh, you know, Chucks, you mentioned talking about uh, Dybala and, and this testing saga that he had. Um, it's, it brings to, it brings up to, to me a question of just how accurate these tests are, which is something that's been popping up in the news recently, how you're seeing a lot of false negatives or false positives amongst people, uh, especially with these, uh, so-called rapid response, you know, rapid results tests. Um, my, my cousin is an RN, uh, and she said that, uh, uh, she brought. She saw somebody in a in an emergency room in in California. She's in Santa Clara County, California. That wasn't being that was displaying classic COVID symptoms, but wasn't being treated as a potential positive. No one was taking precautions around him, and she asked why, and they said, "Well, the the rapid result test came up negative on him." And then the the nurse that she was talking to thought thought to herself for a minute, and then said come to think of it, none of them have come up positive, which gives a question as to the reliability of tests. Obviously, the, I don't, my, maybe the same one isn't being used in every, in every country, in every situation, but it, you know, I, you, you wonder, it, things I've heard make me wonder about that. And also when it comes to the resumption of the season, you know, I look through the media every day and I see Vincenzo Spadafora's name, the Italian minister for sport, at least twice. Um, and it seems to me like he it seems to me like he's kind of dead set on making uh, on not having the season there are times when i really don't think he wants to let city do think, do this um whether or not that's intelligent is is up for you is you know is a matter of opinion depending on where you are depending on how much information i don't think we have enough information to really say it yet um uh, but I think we'll, obviously we'll start knowing more as, you know, we, the season won't start before July. We know that. Or uh, before June, rather. Um, and so we'll probably start getting closer to that before we can even think about really answering this question. But it does bring up some questions to me and whether the political will is there because it's going to come down to the politics. It did in France, the French government, you know, shut down Liga. That was their decision. And I wonder whether or not the Italian government will do the same. Yeah. And to, to add to what Sam just said, um, you know, I, so I follow this uh, tech podcast and uh, there's this one lady on there. Uh, she's, I mean, she's brilliant. She's probably one of the smartest people I've ever heard. Uh, her name is Amy Webb, and so she's something called a futurist, which is basically you know you're you're um, calculating risks of the future of technological trends and you know what might happen 
or how to prepare for changes in the workforce and technology and all that. But one thing she always says is, um, as kind of a framework of thinking, is like she says, you know, what does it take for X to become Y? So in this sense, like I'm thinking of like the individual training happening. So what does it take for individual training to lead to full scale training? And what does it, and eventually what does it take for individual training to lead to eventually games starting up? So I just wonder, you know, what, what, and I'm sure somewhere this is all written down and somewhere, you know, they have, I mean, I'm sure they have protocols in place and for, you know, milestones and all that. But I just wonder what what milestones or what like criteria would have to be hit for individual training for like for for data from individual training to for them to say, okay, now we can go on to you know full skill training and, and proper training. Remember, this is Italy, so the government runs smoothly and there's no controversy or anything like that. <laughs> whatsoever. I think my view on it is kind of the same as everybody's. I think I'm kind of more in Chuck's position where you've got, obviously, the players who are now doing individual stuff and the group training will come soon enough. But Sam will relate to this kind of as the, the baseball world is, is going back and forth with it right now is what happens if somebody wants the group testing or once the group training starts up, what happens if there's a positive? Does everything shut down? Does the, the team shut down? Does that single player go into isolation and everybody's tested right away? It's just, there's so many different factors with this where, you know, it, it's almost like, is this, really all this trouble worth it and i think that's kind of where i'm going back and forth in my head is like yeah we'd love to see juventus playing again and when they come back it's obviously going to be a game every three four days because that's what the schedule is going to have to be like for them to get all these uh delayed fixtures in but is the risk really worth the reward of what they're trying to put out even if the stadiums are empty because as we're seeing with, you know, the Fiorentina players becoming positive right on the first day, they report back or the, the team, second division team in Germany, you know, it, the risk is out there. It's just how much do these teams really want to push it? Yeah, I think what Dan is saying is exactly the, you know, the, the crux, the, the real important thing of, of reopening everything, you know, restarting training. You can, you can say they're going to you know, restart individually and then in a group and, and do the whole thing. But what happens if someone gets infected? What happens if there's another positive case? I mean, you know, I think UEFA gained some time. They bought some time with, you know, delaying the Euros and everything. But at some point, what are you going to do if you start back up and then there's another, you know, there's another outbreak in the couple of games back? Do you give them another month? Do you give them two weeks more? At what point is it like, okay, we're going to be done with the season by October? Like, I mean, at what point is it just, you know, really worth it, like you say, to really try to finish the season if something like this is going to happen again, eventually? Like, I think it's almost inevitable that we will get another case once everything, you know, starts back up. So I, I hope that, I hope they would have a plan. I hope they really have some some plan really to kind of you know not only start but be prepared 
for the case or the eventuality of you know getting a relapse, getting another positive case, and if so, what to do next? Yeah, so there's a there's apparently a difference between um, between the protocols that are coming out here uh, in it, for Italy and uh, the main difference between what Germany is doing is that in Germ- in Germany, if a player or staff member um, would test positive, they're, they're supposed to be isolated for 14 days. Apparently, the Italian government wants it to be the whole team, uh, which could or could not cause some form of chaos if, you know, say you're in the middle of, you know, say you're in the middle of, of the restarted season, you know, and a bunch of games have already been played, and then somebody on Brescia comes up with another positive. And so you isolate the team for 14 days and then what happens? <laughs> um, there's, there's just so many eventualities here. Yeah, right. I mean, do you forfeit? Do you just like move that date forward? And if so, how, I mean, how, how long into the future are you willing to do that? Like you said, if, say Brescia has to, you know, play a game. Do you just move all of their games one month into the future? I mean, at some point you're just going to run out of time. So yeah, I think it's going to be a tricky situation. Of course, as we all know, Serie always makes the correct decision in every single instance. So I'm sure they're, I mean, I'm sure they're just going to nail this. I'm sure everything's going to run super smoothly. I, I have no issue with that. I'm, Smooth decision-making is, is uh, Serie A's, uh, that's their bread and butter. That's what they're known for. So, I mean, uh, isn't, it, isn't that for all Italians? <laughs> exactly. That's true. As we've seen where each of us live, um, I mean, this is such a day-by-day kind of thing. And as great as it is to see that Italy's cases are obviously decreasing the last couple of weeks, and it you, you just don't know, you know, you just don't know when that second wave is going to hit. And, you know, the more and more people talk about this virus, it's almost like this, that second wave is inevitable unless serious actions are, are taking place. And we, we just don't know whether Italy has that kind of capability as much as the Northern, Northern Italy is known for its money and it's, it, it's, it's, it's science and all that. So we, we just don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it, 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 ha- it has the, the economic force of the country. Sure. But at the same time, having already been pushed so far beyond the point of breaking exactly the first wave, if the second way, and, and I, 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 can sen- I could sense this when, I'm see- when I hear especially guys like Spadafora talk about this um, and other Italian health, and then Italian health officials and actual scientists as well. There's, I think, a genuine terror in Italy of what a second wave might mean, given how much the, the how crushed the medical system was the first time through. And if it happens again, they've already expended so much of its of their ability and what and their resources that they're not going to have anything left and and i think that's the the main thing that a lot of of politicians and health officials and scientists in italy who talk about this and and also other reopenings are most concerned about rightly so as a as a siren goes by my window um yeah, that 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 that's what it that's you know. Do you weigh that 
and you know you yeah you won't have the biological bombs as they called things like the Atalanta game at San Siro um, and stuff like that if you're where if you're playing these games behind closed doors but there's still there's still something there that needs to um, you know that that would because you know nothing is done in isolation even if you're playing a game behind closed doors at you know one person on a team gets it and there's always the chance that it could break out of that circle and then you could you know and you know it contribute to a second wave and then goodness knows what could happen there i mean you know we've we've all read i'm sure the you know the histories of the last big pandemic like this in 1918 when the second wave of the spanish flu was the most deadly one so you have to wonder yeah and also to add to that i mean you also have to wonder what what the goal is of the italian league so i mean i've been following just uefa statements about just in general what protocols or what goals um, the leagues european league should be going for and uefa has been pretty adamant about leagues over europe truly 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 trying to finish their uh respective seasons so doing their best to not cancel seasons and they were pretty upset about um i believe it was belgium as well but uh, france and belgium uh canceling their leagues although supposedly there's some legal loophole around belgium i think it wasn't wasn't ratified or something um i just remember correctly there but yeah they weren't very happy about that 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 they canceled uh, the leagues somewhat early i suppose uh, and the Dutch league essentially also being canceled. So, you know, you have that pressure from UEFA there to finish the league, to finish the season, uh, rather. Um, so then, you know, the question is, okay, how much does the city, uh, how much do they really want to follow that recommendation? Or how much do they just want to go like, all right, to hell with that. And we're just going to do what we think is best. Because at the end of the day, I mean, they're still a sovereign I mean, nation. They're still a sovereign league, so they can still decide how to act, how to, re- to react to the coronavirus if they choose to uh, close out their league or, not, or to close their season right now or not, which doesn't seem so, but, you know, it depends on how desperately they want to reopen it. But also, secondly, I mean, you know, I think all this discussion just shows that, you know, we tend to forget this, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, footballers, they are human beings, you know, and it's, at the end of the day, we forget that, like, okay, we talk about all these measures, but it's, we forget about the human element in it in the sense that, well, okay, one person is found to be positive. Will other teammates, will other players even still want to play? You know, will they even still be, I mean, will they even feel safe or comfortable to even continue playing or to continue practicing or to continue even showing up? So, you know, I mean, considering that human element is, it's impossible to predict. I mean, who knows? I mean, we're all rational beings really, but it's just tough to think about that. I mean, I wonder, I mean, would I want to play, you know, if I knew that? I mean, how, how comfortable would I feel about that? So it's difficult, really. I mean, these are really, really difficult questions to consider. Definitely. I mean, definitely really hard questions to consider, especially what you say, you know. Yes, they are human beings. I mean, you know, you kind of get lost into it, especially once, especially in football, especially in sports in general, when you kind of are always you know, talking about players in the sense of like how much they are worth and transfer tax and then salaries and all this stuff, you tend to forget they are people too. And with very normal, you know, people concerns. So for example, when once the rumor started about Gonzalo Iwain who might not 
be super keen, you know, about coming back to Italy and, and reporting back to the club. And immediately everyone was like, oh, well, just rescind the contracts. Like, well, that's not that. I mean, what would happen if, like you said, just a player says, listen, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm, I'm just not going to play and, you know, you figure it out. I mean, what happens? What happens from a club perspective? What happens from the league perspective? How do you handle just a guy who honestly might very well have, you know, the reasons for saying no? What that happens if they just say, no, thanks. I'd rather, I'd rather sit this one out until next year or until whenever, you know? I'm sure most, for most of the players and for most of the clubs won't be the case, but what happens if that is the case with this, you know, with this whole thing being such a, an unprecedented thing for really in every single facet of, of just not only the game, but for life in general, you know, just, I don't know. It, it feels like there's a lot of holes there from just from between just saying, Oh, let's go back to training to we're actually playing games and we're actually going to finish this season off, you know, just, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, you know, that we, you know, both the league and the clubs are going to have to handle before we can really say, oh, yeah, this is definitely going to work. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, the, the siren call of money is going to be the biggest, one of the biggest factors in this. I mean, so much of the really gung-ho people that have been saying we must finish the season, people like Claudio Lotito, who seems to be talking even more than he usually does, um, is is uh, is about the economic impact that the football industry has on Italy. They talk about its place amongst the the highest contributors to the to to the economy. You know, there are certainly going to be a couple of I, I certainly assume that there are going to be lower level clubs that might not make it out of the economic problems that this crisis has caused. Um, you know, UEFA also, you know, has mountains of corporate sponsors that it needs to satisfy that, you know, um, you know, at, uh, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, sometimes they won't have the, uh, they won't have a choice. I mean, you know, UEFA can be as pissed as they want at France and at and the Netherlands, but at the end of the day, they canceled their seasons because the government said, we're not letting you play. Belgium, I don't think that was the case. I think the Belgian league just did that on their own. So, you know, it's, it's just so many, so much, there's so much that doesn't have to do with basic human life that's going to come into this when really how many human beings are going to die or not die really does need to be the main deciding thing about whether or not you try to push forward with the season. Yeah, and Juventus, I mean, we've seen three players that we know about test positive. Blaise Matuidi obviously was asymptomatic. Rugani and Dybala weren't asymptomatic. So, you know, they, they went through what a lot of other people are, are going through. And, I mean, that that's the worry that a lot of people have is that as much as somebody might show the signs, what if somebody's asymptomatic and they're playing and everything seems perfectly okay? It's it's the the double-edged sword we're playing here. It's like how much is all that money that Sam you just talked about that TV money as well going to potentially outweigh the risk of, of of player safety, player health, and staff and man, managerial health? It's just it's a 
it's a crazy time. And, and like we said at the beginning of this, um, it, it's not going to be solved probably until you would think June gets really close because, you know, it, it just, it, it's just a situation that's ever evolving. So just on the note of money there, um, there was an article I'm just reading uh, on Eurosport uh, quote, uh, the company is holding the broadcasting rights to Italy's Serie A championship, including Comcast unit Sky have not paid the last installment of the 29-2020 season, which has been halted due to the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, and then another quote here, uh, Italy's top pay TV operator Sky, um, sport digital firm DAZM, uh, and global sports agencies, I, agency IMG did not pay the 2019-2020 final installment, totaling roughly 220 million euros sources of said so just on a question of money there judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As we know, uh, it's kit leak season, and uh, we've been seeing a lot of uh, Juventus kits being leaked, especially the home jersey. Uh, I don't think we need to really talk all that much about the third jersey, seeing as it looks like an orange Dalmatian. But um, <laughs> what do you guys think of what you've seen? Obviously, this year they went away from the stripes, and stripes are basically confirmed at this point, I would say. So like it don't like it what uh what's kind of the uh, opinion of of you three on what uh what we've seen from juventus's probable uh home kit for whenever next season starts i there are things to like and things to dislike i like the gold accents i really like the gold accents um they look good usually i'm not for gold as a as a, a component of uh, something unless you've really won unless there's like a major celebration of something one, but that that's neither here nor there. They look really cool. <laughs> I don't like the streaky paint effect on the stripes. If they made them solid, it would look a lot better. And if the, and I think there ought to be a few more of them, or maybe just ring them back around the back as well, because right now they just kind of look like a, a Real Madrid kit that somebody took a paintbrush to don't know. And it's, it, it's felt like that, it's felt like that ever since Cristiano Ronaldo got to the team that Adidas has like thrown in at least one of the kits, something that looks exactly like something that he's worn at Real Madrid before has been on the, has, has been a part of some of the kits and it, it alarm bells for me. Uh, no, don't like that. Give us back, you know, something of our own identity instead of just making it look like that. Um, you know, like you said, the, the, the the third kit looks like the orange version, an orange version of the the pink cow training kits that we had last year. Uh, decent shade of blue for the second kits that they that they've that have been leaked, but we've done that. We've had blue in one form or another each of the last three years. Uh, if if those are the what we're and at this point in the year, that's at this point in the year, the leaks are what it is. There's so much, you know, we haven't done the yellow and blue for a while. That's a really traditional thing for us. You know, give us another pink. Give us something. But, it, you know, it, 
it feels almost, it feels a little lazy from Adidas to me. That might honestly be my, my favorite take I have ever heard, you know, that Adidas is conspiring to have Ronaldo always wearing something similar to the Real Madrid days. That is awesome. I love it. I was wrong with that. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's why they're doing it. Because honestly, I kind of, I loved the home kit. I thought it was great. I actually really, really liked it until, as Sam noted, some commenter wrote that it was just a Real Madrid kit with stripes on it. And after that, I have never been able to unsee it. Now now it's like it's completely ruined for me. I really wanted that kid, and now it's just like gone. Now I, I, I just see it every time. But I actually really liked it. I thought it was cool. I really didn't have much issue with the, like the painted on stripes. But yeah, it kind of blew it for me. So now I think I will actually get the blue one. I think it's just a really cool shade of blue. It, it looks pretty, it kind of looks pretty classy, pretty old school not old school but like a regal type of blue if you will i saw some leaks that had some you know accents on the sleeves that kind of give it a a nice look i honestly really like that one i think it might be one of the the better away kits that adidas has done for for juve and you know the i mean as far as the third kit it's just been i mean they started so great too the first third kit they did was that black with gold accents one that was a favorite for i think everyone liked that kid i think it was so cool and then after that it's just been you know just catastrophe after catastrophe for adidas uh, when it comes to the third kid i don't know why you would pick in general that's just such a tough color to pull off and then just the 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 black pattern i mean i don't even know what they were trying to do my hope is, I, I really, really hope that someone is going to get fired because of it. Because it's just, it's just brutal. It's just really, really bad. I'm, I cannot imagine. Never talk about another man's job. I know that. But still, I mean, that is just so bad. You could just get a, a sophomore, you know, graphic designer person from like any college in the world and be able to come up with something better. I, I fully expect to see that thing in clearance racks all over the world for the you know upcoming couple of years. That's going to be terrible. I might buy it. It's going to be so cheap after like a couple of years, and it's going to be one of those that you want to have just in the base of how bad it is. I might get it. I might actually get it. I might actually get it and print it with like Mattia De Siglio's number or something like that to really encapsulate the, the crappiness and general disappointment. That is life. So yeah, that's that's my review of that kid. I, I didn't really like it that much. You say that uh, Juventus is trying to appease Ronaldo to make kits more Real Madrid-like, but have we ever thought about the Danilo factor? I mean, come on, guys. That's a star right there. That's a marketable name, Danilo. Absolutely. World, worldwide known, famous Danilo. We do not have a right bag, and that makes me so upset all the time. Yeah, not all heroes wear capes, you know. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. First Twitter question comes from my good Twitter friend, uh, at Luca Charms, and she asks the following. Oh, say, oh, Mario, tell me about uh, Kedira in Mallorca. Oh, Sammy, Sierra or in holiday? <laughs> Sammy! Tell me, tell me famous chump from uh, Kedira. Famous pool chump. Where is Sammy? Eh? Is somebody see Sammy here? Has anybody seen Sammy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of don't want to at this point. <laughs> yeah, Lord knows. Lord knows. Uh, I truly have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I frankly have no idea. Second Twitter question from at Baldbeard2. Name three players that have adopted Dasari's tactics and how they can influence the rest of the squad. Ooh. Bentancur is definitely the one I think that's assimilated the most. That's my son. Yes. In fact, two of our, I think two of our, two of the large adult sons, because I think Bentancur and Dybala have been the the two that have benefited from it the most. It took Dybala a little longer, but uh, I think they're, they're the, the first two that are really, really good. Third is a little trickier. Might say Alexandro. I feel like he's had a better season than he has in the last couple of years off that side. But yeah, I um, but the two, the two, those two, I think that, I think Bentancourt, Dybala, they both pick up the, the ball and under most circumstances, I think they already know where it's going. Whereas even under Saudi, like the, the thing I've always criticized Gonzalo Higuain about say was that he'd take about two seconds too long to make a decision. And like, especially with Bentancourt, Bentancourt gets the ball and he's pretty sure where it's already going. He knows where he's moving it to. And that I think is the biggest thing about Saudi's tactics that I think we, that, that, that needs to be learned is to not look up and then decide, see it, you know, as you're getting the ball, you should know where it's headed. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with, with Sam's takes there. I would just like to add a lot of you people were frighteningly okay with selling Paulo Dybala and bringing in Romelo Lukaku for a pretty much straight up swap. And People don't forget. I have not forgotten that. I have not forgotten who you are because that was a brutal idea for a transaction and at the time. And it's just looking even worse now. I mean, imagine if you had sold low on a guy like Dybala who, you know, you bring in a new, a new manager, you bring in a new playing style, and, you know, he just comes back to being that guy who we all knew he was capable of being. But yeah, I think if, if you want to talk about, you know, who's, been by far, you know, the biggest benefactor of, of the whole, you know, Mauricio Sarri, uh, you know, time at Juventus. I think it has to be Ibala. For the other guys, I think you can, you know, argue, like, like Sam said, I think Bentancur definitely is up there. Alexandro's definitely up there. I think Bonucci has played significantly better this year, you know, for both. I think, I think it's, you know, half and half the new manager and, you know, just him getting, I guess, a second win in his career, but he's been remarkably better this year. So I think there's a bunch of guys, but I, I would agree with the, the top three in general that I mentioned. 
All right, Chuck, we'll start the last Twitter question uh, with you from at the true ROAC in an attempt to remember better times when, you know, games were actually being played. During the title winning stretch, I'm, I'm curious to know the player you appreciate the most who has played for you. They can be retired, transfer, or still playing. Player I appreciate the most. So let me think on my feet on that one. I think in terms of the player I would appreciate the most would just be the player that I guess people – expected the least of but did his job without complaining too much and just just got along with things even though he was may not have you know received the many minutes or much appreciation or anything like that who would fit that bill gosh i don't really know you know I'm trying to think of someone like a i would have said like the shilio until i mean this recent recent kind of run of form um, in some strange way, maybe even uh, Sami Kadira, really, because, I mean, obviously in the beginning, you know, we loved him very much, and then people, I mean, he loved, people love to make him the butt of everyone's jokes and, you know, and blast him about all kinds of performances here and there. But, you know, he's still got on with things, and he's still been a very useful, useful part of the team. Um, I would have to think, I'd have to think a little more about who, but it's a great question. I mean, it, really is. I mean, yeah, let me come back to me on that one. I'd, I'd like to remind everyone that the midfield really started, you know, going off a cliff after Kavira, you know, kind of like got old and started getting even, you know, even more frequently injured. So he's definitely kind of like an underrated guy there. I mean, when he was, I wouldn't say at his peak, but when he was still a very effective player, I think that the midfield was significantly better. So that's actually kind of like an underrated good pick there by, by Chucks. But I would also, you know, like to give a lot of props to Stefan Licksteiner. I think, you know, he was just, he was the subject of a lot of hate often. Even I, I would, I would actually say I, even for me from time to time, you know, just because we, we started seeing this, you know, flashy really attack you know, minded uh, right, right backs and left, full backs in general in world football right when he was at his peak. So we were always looking at other teams saying like, oh, why can't we get a guy like that that can just, you know, go forward and generate, you know, great crosses and generate goals and be an exciting player. And, you know, Lick Steiner was never that, but he was always, you know, reliable. He was always available. He was always solid defensively and he would, you know, sometimes miraculously do like good crosses and things like that. But he was just like the dependable, good defensively, solid, just the type of guy you want in your team. And I mean, the guy played, you know, just very little time after getting a heart surgery. So, I mean, there's no, you know, you can't get more dependable than that. I think he, he didn't get his due when he was a Juve player. And now that we have to stand and see often the likes of, you know, Danilo and the immortal Mattia De Siglio. Like, now you really appreciate what you had in a guy like Lick Steiner. So I definitely, yeah, I definitely miss the, the Swiss Express. Shout out, shout out him. Shout out Switzerland. Great country, great player. Uh, he, he made, you know, he made the bad man go away. Marco Motto was a bad man and he made him go away. But in a, in a similar vein, in, in just in terms of he made 
of, of people who um, people who are really underappreciated by the fan base. I uh, Danny didn't let me get into him last week, but I'm gonna now. Mario Mandzukic just to me was uh, he was kind of my spirit animal, Walt, for the years that he was with the team. He and 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 it was really incredible because he came with this reputation that he didn't sacrifice much for the team and that he he didn't really work hard um and then all of a sudden he became this most the most versatile and most hard-working guy on the team and you know when the five star came and when allegri started putting him out on the wing and everybody started screaming because he wasn't fast and wingers need to be fast and make and make crosses and meanwhile he was over he was manhandling every poor fullback that had to try to mark him and goal and and scoring goals after goals after goals you know the 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 Madrid heist, uh, you know, he, he made Danny Carvajal. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I was going to say, so I won't. He, 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 he made Danny Carvajal look foolish twice. You know, all of the goals last year that he scored in the first half of the season before he got hurt against big teams, against Inter, against Roma, against Milan. And he would, he would score the huge goals. Obviously, he scored probably one of the greatest goals in the history of the club in in Cardiff if only that high had lasted um but, but you know everyone always was screaming to get rid of him and even and this year I I would have really loved to have had him during that huge struggle period in November December January I feel like he would have been so good for the team he was you know one of the last real Grinta guys especially with Chiellini off the field um he 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 scored all he he scores big goals like a you know he's always there for the big moments and he would do and then at the end of the game when you're clinging to a one goal lead all of a sudden he pops up on the left flank double teaming a guy with sandro um because that because he does that um manzukic to me is one of the most underappreciated guys on the team uh over the last couple years I, I I just I loved watching him play. It it was so sad to see him go. It was mystifying to me that Saudi never gave him a chance. And and it, it makes you know when it makes me sad. And I think and I think he misses. I think he misses us too. The first I watched video of him scoring his first goal in Qatar, and I never seen somebody less enthusiastic about scoring a goal than he did in that first moment. He was just like, yeah, all right. yeah. And I got another. Uh... Another uh, shout out here, actually. I uh, just jogged my memory a bit, which I mean, this player likes plays for us right now. But uh, Juan Cuadrado, um, good old Johnny Square. Um, you know, I added him because I mean, obviously, we know frustrating end product, uh, even more frustrating crosses, and perhaps less frustrating uh, haircut. But you know, he, I think he provided very useful services in the sense that he was a solid enough right back to provide some cover for the erratic injuries or so uh, at right back or just elsewhere in defense, really. Uh, He was a good enough right wing back. We prefer him at right back though, but um, defensively speaking, but he was still able to cover there uh, if necessary. And I mean, he was still where he started out his career uh, as a right winger. 
and you're still able to do a job there. And, you know, if, especially if you have the right player on the other wing, like a really more offensive, more threatening and more direct and just kind of a better offensive player on the other wing, on the, on the left wing, then uh, Cuadrado could provide that defensive balance because in a sense he, he is, the way I see him is he is a defensive right winger but an attacking right back. So, I mean, he just provided a, a useful, still does provide a useful extra tactical dimension. And just an extra tactical option, actually, that's probably a better word to use. A better tactical or useful tactical option in case, you know, uh, Sari or even Allegri needed to change, change something up either mid-game, which is especially useful, or before or after a game. So, uh, Juan Cuadrado, uh, muchas gracias. Always Chuck zonal marking knowledge. <laughs> yeah, Michael Cox is my man. He's uh, he's yeah, a genius. Followed his blog for a long time. Still have to read his books, so it's on my uh, book list. So hope to get to that one day. All all three of those picks, all guys that just give maximum effort every single time, and you know sometimes the end product want um isn't the greatest, but I can ex- you know you can excuse for the most part weird boneheaded end decisions if he's still making the doing his damnedest that that that's all you know just the effort guys why i loved vidal too he never quit and i mean to me it really is just players that provide surprising options tactical options um, a range of surprising tactical options especially mid-game that's so important you know the ability for a manager to switch things up mid-game without having to use substitutes is, I mean, just so useful. And I think that's why I appreciate players like that. and appreciate actually players, uh, especially these days, just with, with that debate of versatility versus specialization, uh, even in, you know, in careers and professions. Um, I, I'm actually starting to lean towards uh, being more versatile than specializing in one field. So um, thank you, all you uh, jacks of all trades, I guess. All right, we will uh, end things there again. Thank you guys for your Twitter questions. Um, we haven't had time to get to all of them. Maybe we'll just turn next week's episode into a Twitter Q&A. So who knows? But uh, Keep them coming, guys. That's right. Keep them coming. Uh, at Juventus Nation, uh, a, a bit of news in terms of this podcast. You can now officially subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Search at search black ampersand white ampersand red all over. And then our podcast should show up there a bit longer route if you just search Juventus. So if you just search the blog name, we should pop up immediately. So uh, go ahead, do that. Uh, Thank you for all the positive feedback after the first episode. It was greatly appreciated. A nice conference boost to know that you guys are uh, enjoying this podcast already. So for Sam, For Sergio, for Chucks, uh, this is Danny once again saying uh, stay home, stay healthy, and see you guys next time.